What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the CPA Zone, the podcast where we discuss tax strategies and accounting tips for entrepreneurs and real estate investors. My name is Ryan Pulis, and our company, The Pulis Group, offers tax planning and advisory services for entrepreneurs like you. Whether it's bookkeeping, tax planning, or CFO services that you're looking for, we've got you covered. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the CPA Zone, brought to you by the Pulis Group. Today, I'm going to follow up a bit on last week's episode, talking about real estate professional status. We're going to look at a particular court case that deals with, one, aggregating your time among various real estate professional status activities, and two, how important it is to maintain your logs to track your time. So this case is called Tom and Nancy Miller versus Commissioner. This is Tax Court Memo 2011-219. So this came up, I was actually on a guest on another podcast discussing real estate professional status. And so in, in the midst of the conversation, I referred to this court case in regards to the aggregating time among various real estate professional activities. And then I was thinking, wait, that's the boat pilot court case. And kind of lost my train of thought, couldn't remember. I was like, well, I might be referencing the wrong case. So I, so I went and looked after and sure enough, it actually covers both things. You can aggregate your time among various real estate professional activities. And this was the case where the guy was a boat pilot and kept very good records. So let's get into it a bit. So in this case, what the the years under issue here are 2005 and 2006. Tax court cases take a while to material, materialize and get uh, figured out. So we got the tax court memo for this in 2011. But it's a good case to read through and really gets into some of the particulars that go into qualifying as a real estate professional. And one of the only, the only case that I know of where someone that is considered having a full-time job actually qualified as a real estate professional, because remember, to qualify as a real estate professional, more than 50% of your time needs to be in real property trades or businesses, and you need to have at least 750 hours in real property trades or businesses in which you materially participate. At greater than 50% of your time is very difficult with a full-time job. However, as we'll see, this full-time job wasn't quite full-time. I, I believe his total hours were south of 1,000 hours for the year. So what we have here, Tom and Nancy Miller, the Millers. Tom is a boat pilot in the San Francisco Bay Area. And his work schedule, the way that it works is he's on working seven days on, seven days off. So his seven days on he doesn't necessarily work all seven days. In fact, it's rare that you actually work all seven days on your on schedule. So you have time to do other things. He also has a general contractor's license, which he's had for many years at the time of this case. He provides construction services for clients like kitchen remodeling, home siding, decks, building fences, placing windows. So he's providing all these services from his construction business. And they also own and manage six rental properties. So of these four or of these six rental properties, it was determined that two qualified to deduct losses and the other four were disallowed because they didn't have material participation. So the rules for material participation, if you remember, generally to qualify, you're going to either one, spend more than 500 hours, two, you do substantially all of the work, or three, you spend 100 hours and more than anyone else. So that's what tripped up the taxpayers here on the four properties that were disallowed. That and the fact they didn't group them together. So when you qualify as a real estate professional, you can group your rentals to tr- be treated as one activity. Had they done that in this case, 
they would have been allowed to deduct their losses for all six rental properties, more than likely. I mean, we don't quite have enough to say for certain, but based on the facts that we do have, it sounds like it's very likely they would have been able to deduct the losses from all six had they made that grouping election. So on the rental properties, Mr. Miller also does various work, maintenance work, keeping the yard work up on some, particularly the two that they were allowed. Now, two of the properties that out of the six, they were co-owned by his brother, one right next door to his brother, and his brother did most of the work there. So that's what disqualified that property. The other property that they co-owned with the brother, he did work. They hired others to do work on the property. That failed the material participation test for that one. The third property had an HOA that had hired and had hired maintenance. So they weren't able to qualify with the material participation test rules there. And then the fourth, uh, they hired a weekly landscaper and did very little work themselves on that property. So that's what carved those four out and said there wasn't material participation. Your losses are still considered passive. Now, as I was mentioning, uh, Mr. Miller being a boat pilot, seven days on, seven days off, he only logged somewhere, it was somewhere south of a thousand hours, if I'm not mistaken, but he kept very meticulous records of his time, both in the boat business and his real estate, prop, his, his rental properties and his construction business. They also brought in credible witnesses to testify on their behalf. They basically described his work ethic as being extraordinary. Another boat pilot testified that he was a one in a million when it comes to work ethic, didn't know anyone who worked harder. His wife testified about how much time he spent on his construction business on the days he wasn't working as a boat pilot, and she would often go to the construction sites just to see her husband. So they had very good records, testimony uh, from, from others that was obviously believable in this case to the judge. So he was able to succeed in qualifying as a real estate professional. The other thing that was key here was his real property trades or businesses. He had one, his construction business, and two, at the time spent in the rental properties, he was able to group that time together, which the IRS was trying to deny. There ended up being, a few years later, chief counsel advice in 2014, I think it's 2014-27016, that explains the concept that you grouping the time together for real estate professional activities is perfectly allowed and acceptable. And there's nothing that prevents a taxpayer from doing that. We also have this court case that we're talking about. So long story short, he met the requirements to qualify as a real estate professional in this case, even with his you know quote unquote full-time job as a boat pilot. However, the next step after you qualify as a real estate professional you have to show material participation. So he qualified as a real estate professional. That gets you out of the default passive bucket. Now you're treated just like any other business and you have to show material participation in order to deduct your losses. So in the tax court's opinion, they, you know, they begin with outlying all the facts and, you know, the amount of uh, losses that are in question. And they found that he did qualify as a real estate professional, which means his rentals are not default or per se passive activities. He did qualify. However, due to the facts and circumstances, he and the fact that he didn't group his rentals as a single activity, he had to show material participation in each property. And that's what they failed to do. Even though they were involved in most of them at some level, they only qualified 
as materially participating for two. And again, hinging on the, the real estate professional status, what really qualified him on that was their extremely detailed records and the testimony from others that essentially vouched for his, Mr. Miller's work ethic in the time he spent on his properties, his construction business and everything else. He was, he was a workaholic in, in a sense. So in summary, the, the key here is keep good records to show that you qualify as a real estate professional. That's going to be important if you're ever challenged. In addition, if you are a real estate professional, you now have to remember you have to qualify or have to show material participation before you can deduct your losses. And you should have good records detailing that time as well, which in this case they did. He was performing all sorts of work between him and his wife. Mrs. Miller helped on the rentals as well. She would prepare leases, screen tenants, help with collecting rent. They were, uh, Mr. Miller was performing work on the rental properties and they kept contemporary, contemporaneous work logs for the rentals and the construction. That is, that and the, the testimony by the witnesses keep going back to it, but it's just, it's key. It's important. That is what got them over the, over the hump for qualifying as a real estate professional. You need to have those good records. This isn't something that's taken lightly. It is very highly litigated. If you, if you, go out there and look for tax court cases on real estate professional status, you're going to find a bunch of them. So it's highly litigated. Make sure you have your all your ducks in a row if you're going to qual- if you're going to claim real estate professional status and make sure you've got the hours. And again, your your hours for the real property trades or business and the material participation, they need to be actual hours spent that impact the operations of the activity. You know, you're not you're not just Taking classes or going to seminars and networking, you have to be performing work that actually impacts the operations, like with the millers. They're approving leases, collecting rents, uh, repairs and maintenance of the properties, bidding on properties. You know, they, they did have some research hours and they're looking for other properties, but that wasn't the, the key point that got them over the hour thresholds. It's all the other work they were doing as well. So it's important to Make sure you're impacting the operations when you're trying to show material participation and you're keeping good records. Probably sounding like a broken record now at the good record keeping, but I'm just, I'm really trying to get that point across. So that's, that about does it for this court case. Again, it's the Miller's first commissioner tax court memo 2011-219. And it's pretty short, short read, five or six pages, I believe. So if you're interested and want to check that out or just want to kind of dive into the details a little bit, you can find it for free online. So that about does it. Again, just to summarize, real estate professional status, you need to pass more than 50% of your time in real property trades or businesses and more than 750 hours. After that, you're out of the default passive classification with your rentals. Now you need to show material participation in your rentals. Then you can deduct your losses. So until next time, I hope you enjoyed this. Please leave a five-star review and hit the like and subscribe button. I'll talk to you later. So that about does it for this episode of the CPA Zone. Thanks for listening, and I hope you found something valuable that you can take away. We are taking on new clients, and if you'd like to work with us, then go to our website and fill out the client intake form on our contact page. This can be found at thepulisgroup.com forward slash contact. That's T-H-E-P-U-L-I-C-E-G-R-O-U-P dot com forward slash contact.